0: Hi, everybody. Jamie here recording a plug because we thought this episode was going to be paywalled, but then we changed our minds. We decided to make it free. Uh, You're welcome. It happens. So, yes, what you are about to hear is the first episode of our brand new series, which is called Lost Futures. Um, It's really Aaron's brainchild, but we all love sci-fi, so we're all super stoked to do it. Um, It's covering all things related to science fiction. Because, you know, we like to imagine a better world, might as well take a look at uh, some other people who've done that. So uh, if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe as a supporter to make sure you get all of the upcoming episodes in this series, of which, which will be very long and great and wonderful, and you're going to love it. Um, you'll also get access to all of our paywalled content as well as our Discord community, where we will soon be doing a monthly voice chat after uh, we hit our first goal of 100 subscribers. Yay. So uh, just hit up patreon.com slash everybodylovescommunism or fans.fm slash everybodylovescommunism because the lost futures... Oh God, I fucked that up. Uh, (laughs) Because because the first lost futures is free, but the rest will cost you. There we go.
1: Welcome to. I sound, I'm doing. I'm doing the Jamie. Uh, welcome to. Everybody loves communism, No, but uh, <laughs> you guys. Uh, Do it. You guys are listening. This is behind the paywall, so you guys are pretty familiar uh, with the show. Um, I'm Aaron.
0: I'm, I'm Jamie Peck. Oh God, um, the order. Remember the order.
2: Because I started we this time. No. no.
3: No, no. The order. We got it down.
0: Uh, okay. All right. Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the
3: mouth. <laughs> right. Uh well yeah, You know
0: who we are. You, yeah,
1: you're behind the paywall, so you know who yeah, we are. You're
0: behind the paywall, you know us, you know you us, love you, us,
1: you like us, you listened to us before, and uh this is a special episode uh because it is the inaugural episode to a uh, a series that we're doing uh behind the paywall called Lost Futures. And
3: um This is not everybody loves communism. Yeah, this, this is Lost Futures. This is everybody loves
1: communism, uh colon. You know, like subtitle, like lost futures. Uh,
0: Everybody loves communism. Presents presents lost futures. lost futures.
1: I like that a lot, actually. Uh, and Thank you. Hopefully, we'll get a uh, hopefully we'll get some cool call to do some cool 50s, 60s sci-fi movie effects. Oh, be nice. That'd yes. be tight. But um, there's actually another person that's joining us. Um, Kurt Schiller. Am I pronouncing your last name right, brother? Yes, you are. That okay. is correct. Kurt Great. Schiller great and um we so i guess like to kind of lay it out um jorge and i and jamie we were all thinking about um you know providing more content for you guys because you guys are so gracious um supporting the show and um if you guys don't already know i'm pretty sure you know if you follow me on twitter or if you know i think even anything about jamie or jorge uh we like sci-fi you know like we like sci-fi we like fantasy i especially like sci-fi i mean you guys follow me online i post sci-fi art all the time Mm -hmm. i talk about star trek and shit and um one of our best episodes was on dune the movie
0: wait aaron you're into sci-fi
1: yeah i'm yeah wow (laughs) wow man i'm so tired that i thought you meant that seriously wow but um (laughs) yes for those of you that don't know i'm a nerd i like sci-fi and uh i don't know i think that like that kind of makes sense because like we're all like commies here we're radicals and we imagine a
3: better future, but not just a better future. I guess. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait! We're all communist. This is a communist mm, 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 podcast. <laughs> oh boy! If you're not, oh if you're not I a communist,
4: I'm really sorry. <laughs> if,
1: wait, <laughs> if you're not a communist, you have to stop listening now.
0: A little callback to the other day with mm-hmm. the "Know Your Enemy" boys.
3: Yeah. No wait but this is a communist podcast no.
0: i still don't know if they were like fucking with us or not nah, they,
3: they were they were,
1: <laughs> they were they were they were nicely fucking with this but uh i guess yeah. why, don't I, why yeah. don't I let y'all real quick for like just get into it why did we decide to i was gonna get into it but why don't y'all like why did we decide to do this thing this this new series
0: mm. i like literally just found out about it but i like it <laughs> yeah and you I found out it. about like a week ago <laughs> And, like, I don't know why people act surprised when they find out that I'm into sci-fi. I don't know if it's because I'm a girl Mm. or... That's what it is, Jamie. I don't know if it's because I'm, like, a a cool, like, hot chick or whatever. Mm. Yeah, that's right. I'm a cool, hot chick. People don't expect me to be into sci-fi, but I totally am because I'm a fucking nerd, too. So don't judge a book by its cover. I might have a lot of cool tattoos. I might have cool black hair, but... I'm a nerd on the inside. Jamie
1: is a fucking nerd. Y'all heard it here first.
3: We we actually actually all three of us have black hair, which is interesting. Yeah,
1: all, all three of us but. are black, which is interesting. No, I'm kidding.
3: Um,
4: <laughs> my, my hair is very blonde um, But I have my camera turned off Because I, I record podcasts in my basement And it straight up looks like a murder dungeon Down here uh, So I, I keep, my, keep my camera turned <laughs> they, off they, they, Aw, thank Now you. I
0: want to see you. Yeah, Thank you for I'll, your
4: I'll, I'll turn it on for a second so you all can, can see it Don't don't share it with the Hello Oh Jesus Christ you murder. are not lying bro
0: <laughs> Where the bodies at
4: dog <laughs> Well they're, they're back there We're going to
1: use Use that as the episode. Uh, the The episode uh, art. It's gonna be. It's gonna be like yes. Lost this is, future. This
4: yeah. is where the child in Omelas is.
0: You are that child. Yeah. You grew well, up. You well got as, a computer. Uh, well, as <laughs> give as give said, the child you know, a computer
4: in a podcast. What, <laughs> oh my God!
0: Teach that, the that child too. That pod. is the torture.
3: That is the torture that is actually happening. It, that they're maybe even forced to make content. So yeah. we're. So
1: wait, are we all? I mean, I guess we should. We should. We should. We uh, should. We should introduce what we're talking about first before I make the joke. But uh so since this is an, our inaugural episode, um, we we decided to cover a short story by I mean, just one of the greatest sci-fi writers of all time, Ursula K. Le Guin um and it's called those Hell yeah and i mean y'all probably like if you like sci-fi you should know the story if you are not into sci-fi um you should read the story because you will like it especially as a leftist but it's called those who walk away from and i want to ask y'all a question because i thought the pronunciation was omelas but apparently it's omelas so i guess those who walk away from Omelos.
3: did y'all think it was omelas or Omelos? I I mean,
0: I I, I honestly didn't know what to think. How about you, Jorge?
3: I mean, I was definitely thinking Omelas in my head, but I mean, the fact that it's like Omelas doesn't surprise me because it does look French. It does does look French. (laughs) Kurt,
1: did you think it was, uh, did you think it was, did you know it was Omelas when you first? uh... No, potato. and
4: I, I'm going to continue saying Omelas because uh, part of the central theme of the story, I think, is is that it's whatever you imagine it to be. And I imagine as part mm. of my vision of Utopia that it's pronounced the way that I was already saying it in my head for convenience. <laughs> stuff, so. But no, I, I did know <laughs> really? where the that's, name that's came utopia from, utopia which was like uh, Ursula up. Le Guin, like misreading it in the street sign. What's that?
0: <laughs> I said that's <laughs> Utopia to you. That's <laughs> fucked up.
2: Oh,
4: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Utopia is. I can pronounce anything that I want, even if it's wrong. But, uh, yeah, I guess, like, it's a four-page story, and I guess, like, a quick synopsis. I mean, there's a one-sentence synopsis is there is this uh, ostensible utopian city, um, which it the story starts at a summer festival, and, um, I mean, very um, idyllic. I mean, it's just, like, this beautiful utopian city where... You know,
3: I thought you said one sentence summary. It
1: was a one, oh well, well one sentence summary. Uh, Utopian city thrives off of the misery of one child locked into a room. That is trouble in paradise. Yes, trouble in paradise. And the stories you don't really find out like what the twist is until the end because Ursula K. Le Guin sets it up in such a way that she's kind of leading you along and you kind of. And I think she plays off of this and we'll get into it because it's one of the themes. But it's not until the end that you get the twist that all of this um, wealth and luxury and exuberance. And I mean, this is also a society that like um, is not capitalist. Right. But the child in the room is sort of a stand in for any oppressive um, system Mm -hmm. or institution. And uh, yeah, it's just like one of my favorite short stories that I think like I've ever read and I mean you can read it in like like 10 minutes right um but I guess I wanted to ask Kurt like real quick go ahead Jorge you want to say
3: something oh just real I just mm. wanted to make sure that uh before we kind of get into it mm. I think it's important we address why we're doing this series. I don't think we can finish yeah 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 that. I was that's what I was yeah. asking you so, guys
1: like why are we first of all yeah. and that's probably a good kind of dovetail to like why we even started with this story right go ahead Jorge
3: right yeah, I mean, so basically, I mean, very, very quick. It's not really too complicated, but, you know, aside from just us being interested in it, because science fiction talks about speculative worlds and speculative uh, futures about a fictional society, fictional worlds, but what we're focused on is, like, you know, speculations in terms of how reality could be different. There is a lot of overlap in terms of speculative reasoning and also speculative uh, possibilities. So that's why just a we're all fans but there's also a reason why we're all fans given our politics
1: absolutely and i just want to say too that like um i do think that too like you know being on the left you know i think like i mean it's just very forward thinking and you know futuristic right and i do think that like in sci-fi sci-fi is like and i think i mean everyone knows that sci-fi is classic for um allegorical themes to modern day mm-hmm. society and this story is especially good because um uh, Ursula K. Le Guin doesn't necessarily like you're supposed to feel bad and we'll get into it but you're supposed to feel bad mm-hmm. right about this child locked in this room and the society um, all of their wealth is based on the misery of this one child but the it, it doesn't really say to you what would you do right because in right. the story. The the child cannot be rescued because if the child is rescued, then the whole entire society mm-hmm. will fall apart. So it's not a question of what well, would you like, you know, storm the dungeon and rescue the child. It's more about complacency and discomfort mm-hmm. in a society that um, that is based off of exploitation and misery. Right. But Kurt, I wanted to ask a question, too, because you probably know more than I didn't really look this up. But um, what is there any background to the story or. Maybe before we get into response stories, were there any responses at the time um, to the story? Um, were people upset about it? Did people like it?
4: So, well, people people liked it. It was a it was a very 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 popular uh, story. It was came out in 1973. Uh, it won the Hugo Award for best short story in 1974. Um, and like the Hugo's in the 70s were not quite like the kind of like media springboard that they are now we're 50
3: years ago from t- for next year 2023 50 years ago mm. yeah
4: yeah yeah mm. yeah 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 good call mm. oh yeah it's a fifth 50- man I, I should have held my article back until next year like 50th anniversary <laughs>
1: now nah, now they need um, to come out with a movie man now they need to no, no i'm kidding please <laughs> don't do that <laughs> but go ahead yeah no, it, no definitely <laughs> don't. Uh,
0: time no, no, but, Pop um, strikes again <laughs> with knowing the year <laughs> it, it, the time was, guy. it was it was it was popular when
4: it came out. It was definitely divisive. Um people have, have described it as like like a nasty little like piece of work. It definitely pissed people off, but I, I think I think it was That sounds gender, to be honest. What's that? It sounds huh? a little
0: gender. Very nasty woman.
2: Um
4: well, I mean to that point, uh Ursula Le Guin was was well-known already at the time she was already pretty recognized in the field so people were already kind of watching what she was writing um the background from from for her is um she uh so le guin is not a uh, not not like a political Anarchist exactly, but she's—I I guess you could describe her as like she's someone who has an affinity for anarchism. Hmm. Um, she's she's always like very in, in interviews she was always very particular that she's like you know I'm I'm not an anarchist I'm I'm like a bourgeois housewife. She was very aware hmm. of like political theory, but she Mm-mm. was not she was not herself like a political like revolutionary. Didn't see herself that way. Um, hmm. She, she wasn't like affinity. the same.
1: She wasn't like a Samuel Delaney, which is like said as much that he's like a Marxist, if not like a Marx Marxian, Marxian I guess. So he, yeah. she wasn't that Marxism. explicitly political in her views, I guess, right?
4: Or
2: no, I, 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 She's no, like
0: she, one of those I mean, people her, who, who doesn't, herself doesn't to, identify herself as like a communist or an anarchist or whatever because she has like too much respect for them, <laughs> like the people who are actually doing this yeah, shit. Kind I definitely of, come yeah. across people like that mm. and I'm like... Oh shit! Maybe I should start seeing that.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, um, but she the 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 real quick background of where mm-hmm. it came from originally is um, this uh, the Dostoevsky book uh, Brothers Brothers Karamazov mm-hmm. um, describes this idea of like the scapegoat and and describes a similar setup and she she unconsciously. B- borrowed that and basically turned it into a larger sci-fi uh short story and and she's kind of talked about that afterwards that like she 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 came up with the story by misremembering uh, dostoevsky and reading a street sign backwards which i think it said like mm-hmm. salem oregon and she read it backwards mm-hmm. in the mirror and came up with uh, uh with a. Uh, with the Omalas, that's got that's oh, kind of
0: genius. That's how a good things tip like for that. how to come up with sci-fi names for places.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's like I mean, when I'm like watching Star Trek or Babylon Five or maybe not Battlestar Galactica, but I'm like, I feel like that's like a this planet name is like could be a small town in like Iowa or something like that, but spelled mm-hmm. backwards or something, you know? Yeah. You know? so because uh, it's us you
0: know you're just looking at the world through a sci-fi mirror and seeing truths that you can't say normally exactly right? exactly
4: oh well, one thing about about her and mm. um, and anarchism is uh, she wrote this book called the dispossessed um, which mm. I I haven't read but is is very very oh. focused on on anarchism, and she was a big fan of a uh, Kropotkin in particular, and she mm-hmm. read a ton that of was... Kropotkin and like tried to internalize that and imagine what an anarchist utopia would be for for that book. Um, so okay, I don't so... think this is the same thing, but like the DNA is is definitely in in this story as well.
0: Mm-hmm. The the only thing I'll quibble with about that because this book, okay, I have read this book and it was a very important book in my evolution in my journey to the left, and um, I don't think it's supposed to be. A utopia exactly uh, i think this subtitle is actually like an ambiguous utopia like it's still not perfect in this sort of anarcho syndicalist planet um you know sometimes things go wrong sometimes people fuck up but they're like trying mm-hmm. and i think it's one of the most realistic and convincing portraits of what an actual anarchist society might look like that has ever been done.
3: Mm. Yeah, it's flawed because it's anarchist. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) And and I wanted to clear something up too earlier. I didn't mean to say that she wasn't explicit about her views because she was through her work, but I meant in her self-description of herself, right? And I think maybe maybe that's because she didn't want to box herself in, right? Into any sort of... And I don't know, I, I get that a lot, like just in this story from her writing, which, I mean, some of the best writing... Like what I realized a lot. I mean, I'm watching a lot of TV. Right. But I mean, even and we'll talk about it because i read some of the response. I read two of the response stories, those who stay and fight. And um, the other one is what's the other one? Those who stay and fight. And there's another actually good. It's one where they actually you see what happens after people leave. Right. I forget. which After wa- we walked away. Yes. After we walked away. Yeah, Erica Ooh. Satifka. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And what I mean. Interesting. Oh, they were—they were so good.
0: That's like a four-page story has spawned like so many fictional universes. That's just the power of Ursula Le Guin. Well, I mean, but should we wait? Should we like? I feel like we like glossed over no, the basics gonna, of this story. Yeah, we're gonna get a little to it.
1: We're gonna get to it. We just want to talk about the but, background and shit like that first. Oh, yeah, okay. Man. There's
0: because there, there's only like one additional thing that I would have added yeah. in the beginning, which is like, who those who walk away. Like, it's a nice society. Turns out it's based on the imprisonment and torture of a child, mm. which really sucks. But every now and then, somebody's like really disgusted by it and they walk away.
4: Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Like, yeah. that's the end of yeah, it. Yeah, which that's is really that's important.
0: The TLDR of it. Mm.
4: Yeah, which is like really important to the story because it's 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 well known. It's not like a dystopia where it's like, ooh, it's a secret and some people are finding right. out. Like everyone everyone who lives there is shown it's specifically it says like when they're about eight or twelve, somewhere in that range, they take them down and show them the child. They're like, This is the child that we torture, just so that mm-hmm. you're aware. See? Okay, now let's go back to the party, basically.
3: Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh for the people who are listening who have not yet read it, but you know, I would recommend people read it. It's probably like, reading the story would probably be shorter than this episode, mm. but it's uh, you know, in your article, Kurt, uh, I think it's like, if I remember correctly off the top of my head, like, Omelas de Jaam, like, it's like am- yeah, 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 yes, yeah, I think um, is how
4: it's pronounced. I don't speak French either,
3: so <laughs> no, no, but no, I was, I was just trying to remember off the top of my head, but um, I think, I think, you know, and everyone should read this article, I think it's great. Um, yeah, we'll put I think a link you to make it. a really good Thank you. Make a really you make a really good point that, you know I I didn't read the other stories you're talking about that were inspired by this, but particularly the first one that you mentioned was one this 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 story that basically saying well we should try to like, you know rearrange things and it's like because people aren't fighting enough to make things work in society. But you're, you in your article you point out it's like, well no you're not understanding what, Le Guin is telling you. The thing is like the whole thing is like that the society fundamentally cannot be restructured. Uh, fundamentally cannot be like modified. Can't with, be
0: reformed. Can yeah. Cannot
3: be reformed without, because it like, it's the, Le when explicitly says the child must suffer mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. everything else to continue.
0: Yeah. So the lib takes on it where they're like, maybe we could just be a little bit nicer to the child, <laughs> you know, like that she explicitly says in the story you can't be nicer to the child or like all of yeah. this entire society will fall apart. Absolutely. There is no reform possible. Sorry. Yeah. You can't vote your way out of this one. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and before, before we get into, to, to get too deep into the like kind of responses, because that story you mentioned Jorge is a response and there's another one. I just wanted to read from your, uh, your article, Kurt, about what the story is about. Right. And you said, quote, is it about income inequality? unequal treatment under the criminal justice system, the tension between extractive bourgeois and extracted proletariat, any one of these would feel simplistic in the face of the story itself, which bucks and weaves between gentle fable and pointed taunt, never quite allowing the reader to get their footing, leaving them to marinate in unease and uncertainty over what somehow feels like a pointed accusation, despite never quite being spoken out aloud. So what what I was going to, what I was saying was that like, you know a lot of i feel like a lot of like fiction narrative fiction today whether it's on tv i mean even like the response stories that i read right which are pretty recent um there's always like this kind of lesson to be gleaned from these stories right or from like you know um, any sort of narrative fiction again like, you know, whether it's a show or a book and i mean that feels like kind of holding your hand along through the story and i like the fact that like you were saying jorge when we were talking in the chat you were saying that for you this story is about imperialism. Right. And I was thinking of um, and we'll talk about it. Right. But I was thinking about like right. um, I, my co-host, the Trillbillies in Kentucky. Right. I was thinking about the effects of resource extraction. Right. And the mm-hmm. fact that after like 100 years of like like fundamentally transformedly shifting the like changing the landmass. Right. Of the state. Um, you've allowed a situation that where, you know, floodwater you know, uh, shit floods, right? Like it it can't, the land cannot drain water. And the point I guess I'm making is that like resource extraction, especially, right? Like this, this pulling the shit out of the ground and knowing, right, that there are going to be people that suffer, right? Whether they're in Eastern Kentucky or whether they're like halfway across the world, right? I mean, like this is something that we just kind of like accept, you know, like, like we got to break a few omelets like to make, you know, we got to break a few eggs to make an omelet rather, right? And, um, I think that the reason why the stories, like, people liked it, but it might also be controversial and people might not even get it is because something else you mentioned, Kurt, is that the story is about Im- ambiguity, right? right? It's not supposed to give you an answer. It's, you're not supposed to come away from it and feel like, okay, this is the, you know, are the people who walked away, was that the right decision? Because as Jamie was saying, the people that walk away at the end, too, they, they, don't, they don't really walk away in any triumph, right? Like, they kind of, like, slink away almost, like, shamefully, right?
4: You know what yeah. I mean? Like
0: one by one. Yeah. It says they always do it alone. Yeah. So that doesn't make me think that that's something that we're supposed to do.
4: Yeah, it's 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 like a it's it's kind of pathetic or doomed the mm. people who are walking away. It's like like they don't they don't know where they're going. It's not like they know they're leaving society where they're going yeah th- they just know that they can't deal with they can't tolerate it any longer and they have to do something but what that something is or if it will be f- like effective is is very much left uh ambiguous and the, have the, a... the big thing for for me about about the ambiguity is that at no point does it flatter the reader for already holding like the correct take or the correct opinion which mm. i feel like is something that a lot of a lot of stuff does n- now or like a lot of like allegorical stories will do where it's like this is a story about how you know you need you need to go vote and hmm. the story will clearly be about you need to go vote and if if you're already believe in voting, you read it and you're like, oh yeah, I feel good, like I agree with the story. Whereas this, like, there's no there's no way to feel good after reading this because th- guarantee there's some injustice that you tolerate, whatever you perceive that injustice to be. You're you're definitely tolerating something. You might not even be a leftist at all. You could you could come at this from a completely opposite political alignment, and there's right. probably still some injustice to you that you are tolerating for your way of life, mm-hmm. unless you're Gay-bear-age. like unless you're like like a total kook. <laughs> it's like yeah, hell yeah, torture the childs great. <laughs> yeah.
3: I feel I feel like there is like a like you know uh,
4: moving away from it like
3: there's also almost like a a literary interpretation you can have on this story because it's not necessarily political um, and, and, and like it is on its face but it could be read as like almost like because it's so ambiguous it's like a Roshrak test mm-hmm. that, but the way that it's written can be taken as like an interpretation on ambiguity itself mm-hmm. in a sense that like where the people in the society kind of like was like the way it's kind of come about and like the existence of the child and you you the revelation of you becoming aware of this 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 like the, the underpinning of the society being like the torture of this child, there that that discomfort that comes like within you is like it's also kind of the discomfort you have when you're presented with something ambiguous. So like to because your mind cannot tolerate the ambiguity, you must force an interpretation. And that's also the people who are walking away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that's a really
1: mm-hmm. good point, Hori, actually, because um, I I also listened, Kurt, to a podcast episode that you recorded on it. Um, and one thing I think that you kind of mentioned was that, like, you know, or I think like the host had mentioned was that, um, you know, she was she taught the story or gave the story to her ESL students. And the ESL students were able to like, you know, who didn't have as much of a grasp on English as like we here do. Right. But like were able to pick up on the story immediately but for some reason Mm -hmm. grown-ass adults right who are (laughs) writing like response stories and analyses just cannot like comprehend like the actual premise of the story right and and Jamie you were bringing up like um the response story of this reform right and this is uh by Sean Vivier right and um I didn't read this one and I couldn't read it Um, just because it just, dude, it just misses, well, it just, your description, Kurt, in your article, and it just misses the entire point of the story, right? Like, Jamie, you were saying is that the reform is impossible. Like, you can't reform it. Also,
3: too, like, have the Omela sides considered forcing the vote?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, dude, like, even like, and that's the thing, right? It's just like, it, 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 if you are if your if your response to this story is to try to fix it right to try to have some resolution like you you just fucking missed it right because like no like to be honest and to be frank right like we all like want to live in a different society right but we all tolerate certain things and even if it disgusts us like we do it right like in the story nobody's gonna storm the dungeon and rescue the child right the same way in real life I mean, motherfuckers tried to storm, I guess, the Capitol, right? But that's another story. But nobody thinks like, (laughs) nobody thinks like, okay, I'm going to- Yeah, true (laughs) patriots (laughs) did. Exactly, right? But like you were saying, Hori, about interpretation, right? Like some people read this and interpret it as like, okay, like uh, Sean Vivier's story is like, you're leaving a civic duty, right? If you leave the city, instead of understanding that it's actually, as you say, Kurt, it's actually a rejection of complacency, right? Because understand, like, if you understand that, like- there are, I don't know how I'll describe it, like, without making it sound kind of fatalistic, but we live in a system where there are things in motion and almost sort of automated in such a way where every single second in our lives, I mean, me, I got, like, 30 pairs of fucking Nikes in my closet, right? Like, I'm complicit in this shit, too, right? Like, I have a friend that says... Commodity fetishism.
3: Would you say, commodity commodity
1: fetishism. But, like, I guess the point that I'm making around <laughs> out is, like, um, it just kind of blows my mind reading, like... I didn't read the Sean Vivier one, like I said, but even the other two responses, which are... Ostensibly, from people that like are a little bit more left-leaning, at least it seems like in their approach, still don't seem to get it. And I guess I just wanted to ask Kurt: like, we're talking about discomfort and different interpretations. Why do you think it is that people like just cannot wrap their head around like the premise of the story, which is like a rejection of complacency?
4: I think I think because the the po- I, th- I think in part it's because the story is is effective at making you feel discomfort when you mm-hmm. read it, mm-hmm. and you you feel discomfort because it makes you aware of. The fact that you are tolerating, like, like you you are tolerating injustice, it's, it's impossible to read it and not come away in some way applying it to our own world and then questioning, like, am I doing enough? Can I do more? Why? Like, do I? Like, the 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 big thing I think about the whole like reform Omalas stories is that they can't get past the idea that like you you can't keep Omalas right, like you can't keep the nice utopia and improve it for the child so mm. it's it's a fundamental discomfort I, I think it's a very liberal discomfort uh, honestly at like this idea that well no we we can we can keep the good things we can keep all this all the benefits of having someone or something that we are acting oppressively upon but maybe there's just a trick maybe there's just the, the right trick maybe you can use like nudge theory on the mm. orphan or something you know like there's there's got to be a way to 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 get out of of this this The discomfort of the ambiguity and the kind of the doubt of knowing that you're benefiting.
2: Mm. uh, And
0: still have all the pretty horses and the, you know, the ribbons Mm. and the summer festival and all the stuff that happened at the beginning where you're like, this this seems nice. I wonder what's about to happen in the next two pages. And then you're like, oh god damn it. the Um,
4: the the other thing, real quick is there's Child torture. It's literally (laughs) the the, the bad thing. (laughs) There's there's a moment in the story that almost never gets discussed but i think it's super interesting um it it talks about how uh like it's it's the fact that their tears and anger at knowing about the injustice is in part mm. what makes them able to enjoy all the nice things mm. that like the fact that they know about the tortured orphan is why they're so nice to their to their children and it's such like yeah. a it's almost like a i, I read that as you have almost to, like you a have self to eat all the food.
3: You have to eat all the food because children in Africa are starving. Exactly.
4: Yeah. Or it's like it's like it, they're almost taking it upon themselves. as like, well, I I have the burden of living in this imperfect society, and it's such like a it's such like a like a gross escape hatch to me. Of, of again, like the story is not asking you to do anything. It's just asking you to think about it. And and to me. The fact that the, a lot of the response stories don't don't get it is because it's it's painful to think about, and we don't we don't want to do that. So we're like, well, maybe let me let me tweak it a little bit into a scenario that I'm a little bit more more comfortable living within.
0: I don't know. I think the story is asking you to do things. Maybe it's just because I know about Ursula Le Guin's politics <laughs> and how well they align with my politics, but like, what is you it know, ask- most
1: people? What is, well, what is it asking you to do, Jamie? What do you think it's asking well, asking you to do?
0: I mean, reading this story, which I think, I mean, obviously it's a Rorschach test. I take it to be about like class society in Mm -hmm. writ large Mm -hmm. of the only, the most recent version of which is capitalism. The one that we are currently living in and encompasses like all the things you guys were saying that it reminds you of as well. Uh, I mean, it's clear from this, I think that we need to completely start over Mm. and build a whole new world because this one is foundationally built upon, uh, the injustice and oppression. And, uh, that's never going to be, that's, that's like, you can't enjoy living in a world like that, Mm. you know? Uh, So like, I think what she's saying is like, yeah, we need to burn this shit down. We need to start again. Um I'm not going to give you any easy answers of how to do it because no one's ever done it before and we don't know uh but if you don't try then you are complicit and you know you might never succeed but you still gotta fucking do something don't be just like the people who like check out and walk away that's a fucking cop out
3: but well i think the people who walk away is like the way that they're starting from scratch exactly that's what i was gonna say say that they are that's what they're doing because like that's the only way that because those people i mean like you could take the child out, but then it's like, then everybody, you're not going to have the side of everybody because you just make everything crashing down.
0: Yeah. Well, I think in the story, the people who walk away, there's not like a great analogy for them, right? Because it's impossible to get outside of capitalism.
3: So I think, I think so, you know, maybe for those who like know more about the story, like Aaron or Kurt, I mean, for me reading this, like, I also felt that, like, uh, you know a little bit with like the ambiguity interpretation i i had before i also had like this other kind of like take that like there is, i just can't but escape I, I can't but like not think that there's an allusion
2: mm.
3: of the story to the to like you know in the republic by plato talking about the the, the theory of the forms that you know basically the the cave people mm. who are in the cave they like mm-hmm. they have only the approximation of knowledge that the only way to like like basically those who leave the cave get true knowledge. Mm. And no, I, allegro- I think to, you're totally allegro- to onto savior. something
4: mm. because uh, to, to, to your point, Jamie, I, I think even more than telling us to, to build a better world, she's, she's telling you to imagine that a better world is possible, yeah. right? Cause she, she spends a lot of time talking about like, why do we imagine that, you know, evil people are so interesting and, 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 you know, happy people are, right. must, must be stupid and, and there's right. the, there's even a point where she tells you all about all the nice things and she's like, do you believe all this? No. Well, let me mm-hmm. let me tell you about the bad thing that makes this possible. Yeah. right. So and
0: now we believe it.
4: Yeah, exactly. So uh, to, to me, the walking away isn't like literally walking away. It's it's believing that there's something else out there. Whether you know what it is right now or not, is being willing to commit to to searching for it and and trying to find it, and 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 that that might be help. That might be hopeless though too. But that just right. being willing to set off on that on that journey, I think is is kind of what she's pushing you to do.
0: Right. I yeah. uh, certainly like that. I just I think it was a bit of a red herring for me that they each have to do it alone. Well, you know, I mean, isn't that like? Isn't I know, that,
1: but Jamie, isn't that like we can't
0: do that alone? Well,
1: I mean, Jamie, I, I would disagree in a way because I think the walking away is. If you want to, if you want to, like, if you want to get involved in politics, like radical politics, right? Like, it is a communal community effort, but it takes some self-individual transformation. Like, we all have our 100%. path to radicalism, right? You don't just like wake up. And, has like, a revelation in a commune, Exactly. You don't wake up in a commune and everybody's <laughs> like, "This is what you need to believe in." Like, we've all had our, we talked about it on another episode, another yeah. podcast, but we've all had our path. So, I think it's, it's important for everybody to walk away alone because, as you said in your piece, Kurt. It is almost like a, not to say that it's a useless endeavor, right? But it's an endeavor where if you wanted, like, if you're setting out to change the world, I've always used the analogy. It's like shaving or sculpting a mountain range, right? Like yeah. that's something mm. that you don't even know if the fruits of your labor, your efforts, are going to like achieve anything that you want in your fucking lifetime, right? All we can hope for is that we just, you know, kind of set the foundation and pass the baton, you know. And I think the first step is walking away, right? Like, ideologically walking away from this society and kind of forging, like, you know, whatever path of radicalism it is, kind of forging that path. And then hopefully, I don't know, all these people that walk out to the desert meet each other, you know? And maybe there's a Mm -hmm. utopian shining city in the desert. Like, I don't fucking know. But I think the walking away, like, if they left together, I don't think that the story would have the same effect because the whole entire point of the story is introspection. And only you can introspect right on your own thoughts so i mean if they all left together i think it would kind of i don't know it just wouldn't have the same kind of effect you know it's almost like haunting you know that like kind of chilling effect that i got like knowing that they're walking through the desert by themselves and we'll talk about it um or i'll talk about describe the other story um which i liked a little bit better um um after they walked away when they leave they see that there are footprints in the sand of people that tried to turn back and then when they go a little further down, they see that there are desiccated, like, corpses and shit like that, you know? So, I mean, like, mm. it kind of feels like, to me, as a metaphor of, like, sort of coming to this realization that we live in the society that we do. And it's like, I mean, it's kind of like, not to romanticize it, but it is very, like, paradigm-shifting. And it's kind of, like, depressing and horrifying to realize, that, you know what I mean? They actually realize, like, oh, man. Like, I remember the first time I read the manifesto and took a step back and was like, man yo we live in this crazy fucked up world and i kind of always knew it but i didn't really know how you know so i don't know i, I like that i like the effect of walking away alone i think that was a uh, it was effective on-
0: hashtag walk away hashtag walk away <laughs>
1: What are We're the gonna things-
0: get sued by brandon straka <laughs> <laughs> one of the
4: things i love about the way that Le Guin writes the story on a stylistic level is is that like the the description of the orphan goes on for a while and it sucks. It's, it's yeah. pa- it's, like oh, it's painful it's to horrible, read. It's, it's, yeah. I it's was cringing upsetting. when I was reading it. It's really yeah. upsetting to read. Like, it, like it, 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 it she, she doesn't give you any easy out where it's like, Oh, you thought, you thought that, uh, maybe, maybe it would get a little bit of joy from seeing other people. No, it's afraid of them because maybe they come in and just like kick it, you mm-hmm.
3: know, maybe remind, Oh, the description of the, of the child reminds me of like, um, I don't remember exactly the details in terms of it, but the, there's like this uh you know, this is a very uh classic example, a classic case study of like of extreme child abuse. Mm. Of there's this per, there's this uh they use a fake name. Uh, that's not the name of the actual person. Uh, I think thing was like Ginny, I think like that. And it was oh, someone I, yeah. that was like, I
4: know who you're talking about,
3: yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so for those who don't know, it's like uh I think it was like they were like in California and it's like their parents like essentially like from, like, a very young age, like, strapped them. In, okay. So those who are listening, uh, content advisory, I'm going to describe uh, very, uh, for, like, a few. Like a like, warning, yeah. Like, <laughs> for, yeah, like a very, very, like, uh, serious description of, like, extreme child abuse. But um, basically, like, from a very young age, like, they were strapped to a chair. They, like, were never allowed to, like, ever get out of the chair. Didn't, never left her home for, like, pretty much until she got, like, from when she came, arrived as a baby, never left home, ever. Um, never saw sunlight. But also, like, uh, the caretaker was not allowed to give them, like, uh, tell them how to, like, speak. So, like, they didn't develop how to speak language. Jesus. But 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 the reason this is, like, um, they're studied, this specific person who was studied was because it's part of a larger um, analysis of, like, what happens to people, like, basically feral children is the terminology of those who are, like, are not raised by humans. Mm-hmm. Like, and do these people like do these humans like because they're not raised by humans they're not they they don't learn language do they like are they forever not able to learn language and what we found is pretty much almost always never like Mm -hmm. that if you don't at a certain point in time if you don't learn language then you're not able to but the reason i bring that up is because like the description of them reminded me of like these cases of extreme child abuse and it's like you know it's one is because it's so you know visceral and graphic in terms of the description but it's also it's like that is what's going on and it's Mm -hmm. like what it's it's um and in fact in many ways i feel like it's like uh not realistic enough based on Mm. what i know about some of these
1: cases You'd like you, Jorge, then you'd like the you'd like the um, you'd like the after they've walked away because there are that's I mean, that's actually that's when they end up in our world, I guess. And I mean, it is like a horrifying 15 minute like story. It's just the worst shit. But uh, like before I go on, like to the. Well, I don't like oh, reading it. I don't like the- reading that. Let me be clear. I mean, clear. No, like but it's good. It's good, though. But I just <laughs> want to say real quick too <laughs> but like but
0: the child in this, though. Sorry, I ahead, just thought of this while Jorge was talking. The child in this remembers what it's like yes. to live a normal life. Yes. It remembers its mother's voice and probably does remember like human language. So that makes it. I mean, it. Both of these scenarios that we're discussing are really fucked up. Right. But that makes it. You know, it's like you're. The child is being taunted because it knows that there is something better out there. Mm-hmm. Right. Although there's also the part where it's like people justify it by saying, "Oh, yeah. if you let the child out now." then it wouldn't even be able to handle like freedom yeah. and niceness and not being forced to like sit in its own excrement you know Sounds which like so, so there's like really no point anyway in like you know getting everyone killed trying to rescue this child which reminds me of so many things yeah. right it reminds me of the justifications for slavery mm-hmm. like oh actually slavery is good because you know they wouldn't know what to do with freedom anyway exactly. it reminds me of the justifications for wage slavery mm-hmm. oh yeah the this huge economic underclass like they they uh, the idle you hands of the devil's workshop you know you just they need to be kept in line they need to be told what to do they need to be policed mm-hmm. they need to have a state uh over them dictating their lives and i think we can find many examples of this in the real world
1: yo i was just about to say that jamie like thank you today i was just about to say like when hori was talking about like you know that this this child and this kind of like you know um um, example of i guess like feral children child abuse i was thinking that like and again like this story is like a rorschach test right but like and i think all here we could agree with this like james you said the child to me is like the underclass right the working class but also like an underclass right like i mean
3: like think it is the underclass.
1: it is i mean i think about like you know i think about like all like the little children you know what i'm saying like especially little black children who like just don't get the resources that they need so that they become a fucking scientist or a teacher or a fireman or an astronaut or whatever the fuck it is. Right. And like how much like wasted potential there is out there because we live in a society that like only prioritizes like certain kinds of education that are profitable or like to certain communities and people. And I mean, I'm not like, I mean, the thing is that this child in the story, like the fact that, the parents in the in Omelas um, treat their children so well because this child mm-hmm, has lost mm-hmm. out on these all these opportunities is like incredibly depressing when you think about and Jorge, you brought this up and I'm so happy you brought this up in the chat and we can talk about it a little bit more where I hate to bring in discourse, but it's super fucking relevant. And thank you again, Jorge, for bringing it up. I, y'all if y'all not super online basically there is discourse now about Congratulations. If you're yo, you're you are not your brain <laughs> you don't have brain worms, but there's discourse now and we're recording We
0: have
3: the brain worm so you don't have exactly. to Exactly. This is August exactly. third,
1: so if you're when this comes out, if the discourse is still going on, I'm we're fucked, right? But basically, <laughs> basically, the discourse is this is that um, if you work for a weapons manufacturer like Lockheed Martin, well, I mean, what if you're a disabled trans person and Lockheed Martin hires you and gives you benefits in X, Y, and Z? Well, don't we all participate in capitalism? Don't we all tolerate things we don't want to tolerate? And the reason why this shit like just fucking like just pisses me off is because. It is all these fucking white people, right, that are—and even, like, fucking, like, you know, like, people of color, right? I saw at least one brother saying this shit. It's, like, pitting people— Oh, yeah, that was wild. It's, like, pitting people in this country, right, like, marginalized people against, like, people in, like, the fucking global south, right? In Africa, right, in Asia, right, and in Latin America, and it's saying, well— if these people have to suffer for us as Americans, right, to enjoy the freedoms that we have, well, that's just how it's gotta be. And this shit is coming from ostensible progressives, right? But progressive doesn't really fucking mean anything. That's why they're saying this shit. Mm-hmm. But it's insane, you
3: know? Yeah. It reminds me of like that uh co- like the colonizer from um, like that there was like a video like that was going around last year of in Israel mm-hmm. of this guy is just like taking like this Palestinian woman's like like just starts just living at her home. Yeah. And it's like and it's like and it's like people are pushing it. It's like, look, 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 if I don't take it, someone else is gonna take it. It's like like similar to lot logic of the same of like, you know, listen, if I if I'm not like in, in Lockheed Barn, you know, someone else is gonna take that job. Like it's like, yeah. like why why and, and and that's like such a consistent argument used by people in our society mm-hmm. of like saying of like, well, you know, I need to get these things because look, look, at the end of the day, someone else is going to take it. So why, why not just like someone who's like, you know, who's like, knows it's bad. And it's like, well, on the one hand I can see there is, I think, you know, I'm a little sympathetic to that argument, but in a sense of like, you know, just purely material need. But on the other hand, you know, to what you're saying, Aaron, it's like, well, you are making a stance of like, like the workers of this country, or, like, mm-hmm. yourself in this position and those who don't have a choice, which well, is those who live in the mm-hmm. Global South. Yeah.
0: There are also, like, matters of degree here, sure. right? Because some 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 things are worse than others. Yes. <laughs> I think it's safe to say. Uh, and, like, there are certain things that we just live with in this current moment that there isn't that much we can do about it in the moment. We just have to be aware of them. Like, one example I can think of is gentrification, mm. Right. Like, Jorge mm. and I are currently in Bushwick, where we both live, not to, like, dox us mm. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and we both We're have... have... <laughs> Social security? <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Like, like we both have access to more resources than the average resident of Bushwick at the moment. That's just a fact. Although, uh, maybe it's so gentrified that that's not even true anymore, but I, mm. I, I think it is. Mm. And, like, there's nothing that he or I could do in this moment to fix that. All we can do is, you know, devote our fucking lives to doing the thing and overthrowing the system that makes that a fact.
1: Yeah, which is which is why, like, I mean, like. Any I just want to circle back to before I jump to the other response story, because the other one is fucking crazy. We're going to have fun with this shit because the other one is just <laughs> I thought I liked it at first. Those who stay and fight. And then, like, I got to the end and I was just like, this story is fucking insane. But like the reform story by the Sean, uh, the Sean uh Vivier is just again, it's just like, you know, you like you were saying, Jamie is like there's nothing that you could do right now except what you can do. Right. And it's like liberal sort of like like, subscribing like this liberal idea that um, walking away is um, is a rejection of your civic duty. Right. It's just like selfish. Right. It's like I think that. You, a- you actually miss the point if you think that all we need to do is just tinker around the edges, right? At least the next story that I'm going to mention, at least there's like a fighting in it. Right? <laughs> fight is in the title, you know what I'm saying? So there's yeah. like a resistance. Like Vivier's story, and I feel like maybe Kurt, maybe you can speak to this, but other responses actually seem to kind of be like, well, I mean, the child in the dungeon is fucked up, but what are we really going to do, you know? And I don't know. That makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, it really makes me feel uncomfortable.
4: Yeah, I right. M- most of the so there there's all this a lot of response stories that I just kind of breeze through that, that I, I didn't think mattered a whole lot. There's also there's also a lot of essays and one of the uh I, I think one of the most laughable but most common ones you see is the accusation that oh it's it's a false dilemma, mm-hmm. you know that you don't you don't actually oh, have yeah. to choose and it's like well. I mean, you you, you kind of do like. I mean, why'd she write like, the fucking story if you didn't have yeah. to choose? You know you're, you're you're choosing between doing something and doing nothing, and to me, that's 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 like. Um, the I reject the of premise. The actually, <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> that would be uh, even better.
0: Omelas is not a real place. I've never heard of it.
3: <laughs> that
1: is actually the liberal response, Jamie. <laughs> that is what they would say. To, it's,
0: it's like like um, you made it up. It,
4: to, the the thing that uh, I think is similar to kind of the 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 discourse about uh, defense contractors is like, well, do you accept that you can do something or like are you are you acknowledging that you are participating in a system of exploitation and saying, yeah, you know what that is fucked up. I gotta do something. I can do what I can. I mean maybe maybe it's difficult for me to change jobs, maybe it's difficult for me to not participate in a system of exploitation, but I can do something. Mm. Or are you acknowledging in that and saying, well, there's there's no uh, no ethical consumption under capitalism. So I guess I can't do anything at all. And I'm just going to keep doing exactly what I'm doing. And that yeah. that to me, although on the face of it may look similar in terms of what you can do, because as you say, there is no there's no button that you can push that destroys mm-hmm. capitalism. Right. It's not mm-hmm. it's not like we're sitting next to it. It's it's still a question of how well, according, according your complacency to the
1: there is <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, according, according to me. Oh, I have the button yeah. right here in my drawer. <laughs> Go ahead, Kurt. Sorry. Or
0: at least uh, <laughs> Joe Biden does. <laughs> (laughs)
1: The nuclear, I mean, I
3: mean, a nuclear holocaust would destroy capitalism, but maybe not. So, so,
1: Hori, you're telling me that the Omelians and just needed a nuke? Now, is it the ones who walked away just needed a
3: nuke? They walk away and come back with a
0: nuke.
4: uh, (laughs) I I mean, that would solve it, right?
3: (laughs) (laughs) That would solve it. That would solve it. Um, go, yeah, yeah, it's like. Get the nuke so that no, now we can free the child. (laughs) Now we can free the child. Come out (laughs) of through the liberation
1: of nuclear annihilation, indeed. But uh, Kurt, Kurt, you you were you were saying that was kind of dark. This is dark. Oh oh God.
4: The (laughs) only other thing that I was going to say is, um, are 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 you all familiar with the uh, the Mario Savio uh, Bodies Upon the Gears speech? Yes. Uh. Ah. The, 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 it's,
0: I could be more familiar with it, but it does ring a bell. I'll, I'll, Perhaps I'll be honest, our viewers would like a summary. it's your bodies
3: upon the gears of the machine. Yeah, like, it's it piece, was right? it was
4: delivered in the context of I think like student free speech in 1964. Yeah. Um, but I I'll, at Berkeley. I'll, I'll I'll cop yeah at Berkeley I'll cop to the fact that I only know it because it was in a Fear Factory song and I grew up listening to like weird industrial metal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it's nice. It's, he's basically it's you know it 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 comes at the end of this kind of like soliloquy and um savio was uh was, was was he was he with sds i totally forget who
2: who he, he
3: was he, with. no he, he was an sds yes and and uh i think what motivated the speech of him correctly was he was talking about how they wanted a more demand in terms of being like uh you know free speech at on, on the berkeley campus and he was in, then the board of trustees at berkeley wrote a letter saying that like uh uh, not, 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 uh, the board of trustees writing like a uh, letter thing, something along the lines of like, could you imagine like the board of directors of a company saying that they, that, that uh, they're not going to be doing profit because their workers told them to like something, it was some, it was some, some like letter that they wrote about that. And then that's where the speech is reacting in context too. Mm.
4: Yeah, and it, it's it has this 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 like beautiful little concluding turn of phrase. He talks about like you know when, like just participating in the system eventually makes you so sick at heart that you just right. you just you you literally you just can't bear it. Even even passively taking part, even existing within it, and so ultimately what you like what you have to do is throw throw your bodies upon the gears of the machine. Mm. Like that's that's the only that's the only action available to you. Perhaps is to to do what you can to reject the system and to make the machine stop even if it's you know and it's just this beautifully like evocative poetic right. uh language and I, I always think about it when i read this story because to, to me there's a kind of like desperation of like what action can you take in the moment what it, whatever that is if if you reach the point of being sick with the system that you exist within that ultimately becomes the only ethical action that you can take whether it's something mm. small or it's wow. something extreme
3: no that's a good point Kurt you know great you brought that speech up um, because you know from further up in that speech well, before he brings up like that soliloquy you bring up like a, the metaphor he says like like in response to the letter of the board of, like the you know, president of, the, of Berkeley University at the time like he's like well if the board of trustees are like a board of directors and the, then then the workers are the professors then who, what are we the students then we're the products that were sold to companies mm. and it's like it's like, where are the products? And and then like, it's like, well, he's like, and he basically said, well, we're not, we're we're not products to be sold in our market. We're not commodities. We're we're human beings, right? So it's like, that's why. So it's in that context that, that's important for people who don't know mm. that it's like what that's being brought up. So I think like you know, regarding like the story, it's like, it's it's like this kind of recognition. Like, wait, no, I'm not a passive like actor in this. I don't mm. have to just accept that like this is happening. I can just, I, I do have a choice. I can yeah. just like choose to not participate in the society. That's based That's like foundationally predicate on the suffering of this one or, child. Or, or, or it kind
0: it, of
1: go ahead, go ahead, Jamie. Go ahead.
0: Like the idea that you have to sacrifice, right. If you want to not be responsible for this horrible, horrible deal that your society is based on, you have to sacrifice yourself throw your bodies in the gears whatever whatever it reminds me of sort of the balance between militancy and self-care mm-hmm. right like we talk about this a lot i like where you're going in, with this Jamie. in dsa uh you know militancy isn't just about you know taking a lot of risks and doing the most violent thing in any given situation militancy in video like, game. like the like the black yeah like the black panthers talked about militancy as like just being really just dedicating your whole entire life mm. to the revolution and taking it very seriously um it's less about tactics and more about you know the kind of life you lead and i think some people perhaps the pendulum has like okay you need to take care of yourself if you want to be a useful revolutionary. But I do think there are some people where the pendulum has swung a little too far in that direction where they interact with the movement like they are consumers more Mm -hmm. so than, you know, dedicated pro revolutionaries. And they don't think that they should have to sacrifice anything. They don't think that they should have to, um, you know, be, discomf- de- um, be
1: uncomfortable. I mean, I've seen mm-hmm. that shit a lot online. And I mean, like I'm going to go back to it, but because I did not want to I did have a segue because, Jamie, what you were talking about segues perfectly into the next response. But I didn't want to say, Excellent. too, it's like, you know, we're, why are
3: you asking me to do something? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's just I, 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 I have the perfect politics. Why are you asking me to do something?
1: Well, I mean, it's just identitarian. Right. I mean, it's just like it annoys me because it's like yo these people like when I say these people actually let me let me chill out and reel back a little bit because I don't want to be anybody to be offended right but I guess what I'm saying is that like yo like like a lot of people online right like I feel like want to change like on the left I guess right you want to change the world but they don't actually want to do like the sticky work of like doing that right like n- they want to see the world change but they don't really want to participate in that right which means that they don't want to be confronted with anything that makes them uncomfortable right? I mean, like, for me, as an example, as a black dude, my people been here for 400 fucking years, dog. So, like, right. I am live in a state of uncomfortability. I don't have the privilege of walking away the way that Sean Vivier, like, takes the story, right? Like, I don't have... Like, he thinks it's, like, a leaving a civic duty, right? I don't even have that fucking privilege, right? Like, I mm-hmm. have to stay here and fight or, like, contend with people who have views that are diametrically opposed to me. People that, like, like, I mean, I don't reason with the people that want me dead. But there are people obliquely, the same people that say, well, I mean, you know, Lockheed Martin hired this disabled trans person. Essentially, those people want my people in Africa, throughout the Caribbean, they don't give a fuck about them, right? So it's like, it just, to me, Jamie, you're talking about, like, sacrifice, right? And the reason why um, that's such a good segue is because the next response is more of a left liberal seemingly progressive response um and kurt i'm so happy you brought this up because y'all i mean y'all if y'all want i know y'all didn't read it but you should read this one because this one's fucking insane it sounds normal and cool it's called those who stay and fight written by a sister right. too n.k Jemison. but in,
0: oh yeah kurt summarized it in the yeah piece, kurt so summarized we, it we have a sense y'all have of a what sense. goes on in it
1: but in this one for the for the listeners in this one um like Jemison spends a lot of time, more time than Le Guin herself describing, right? Because what Le Guin does is like Le Guin sets it up to say, you expect that there's going to be some injustice, right? In this utopian society, right? And Jemison takes much longer kind of setting up the beauty, right? Of, um, uh, I guess it's called, uh, uh, what is it called? It's called? Uh, Umhalat. Umhalat, right? And this is this is the caveat though, Right. And we'll get into it and i kind of agree with her here right basically what happens is that um our world exists in sort of a different dimension right that the Umhalatans can access right through radio technology or whatever right but you know they're not because people are human beings are naturally curious but when they hear um you know um radio stations or they watch tv or they're scrolling our social media right in our universe right um they are liable to be killed, right? Because they've consumed the wrong ideas, they're liable to be killed with like a spike through the spine and the heart, right? And I'll pose this to y'all because in one way, I kind of get, like, you know, you're talking about sacrifice and I kind of get like in a sense where, yo, in any society, right, if you upend this current society and transform it, yo, I'm sorry, but there's gonna have to be some people and I'm not talking about die, right? I'm not romanticizing revolutionary violence. I'm just saying, just literally there are some people that are going to lose when others gain, right? The Mm -hmm. ruling class is going to have to lose some shit, right? Lose all of it, right? And I get the idea of sacrifice. But in this story, the sacrifice is based upon not even spreading these ideas, not even believing them, but just listening to them. And I mean, I don't know, man. That's kind of some Stalinist type shit, dude. Like, not in a cool way, necessarily. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it makes me uncomfortable, because it's like, I joke about re-education camps, but she's talking about killing people for just accessing, quote, bad information, which is like, yo, you can't... And I'll shut up in a minute, but it's like, Ursula K. Le Guin is saying, the story is like, you have to imagine that utopia is possible. In this story, like... Uh Jemison's trying to say utopia is possible, right? But just some people have to sacrifice, be sacrificed. That doesn't sound like a utopia to me at all,
3: right? I I just I just love how like she wrote the story and it's like, all right, but I we need woke Stalinism. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> <That's>
2: <laughs> what she, what she said,
1: we need woke
3: Stalinism, which is like,
1: and then you're it's hard, I'll let you go, Kurt, in a minute, because I want to hear your take on this st- too. But it's like it's hard to understand if she's being sincere in the story because yeah, exactly, yeah. in her interviews. It's like, it's almost like she wrote a different story or she read a different story, right, in her interviews. In her interviews, if she was if she was ironic about being like, no, nah, like, I was just being, like, kind of ironic about, like, the way that we as a society, like, perpetuate harmful ideologies, right, and punish anybody for thinking different. If that was her point, right, it would be a lot, it would be a lot, it would have been a better story because that means that the resolution isn't that clear. The same way as in the ambiguity is there as in the original, right? But. Yeah. And this one, it's like, yo, what do you actually believe? Do you really believe that we should have a woke style in this utopia, or do you? So, like, Kurt, what do you, what do you think about like that kind of di- this story? Because I thought I liked it at first, and I was like, yo, this fucking
4: sucks, man.
3: Yeah, they, re- they read the story about Omelas and they're like, yo, this is kind of based <laughs> yeah, This is kind of lit, yo. We should actually so- turn it up a couple notches.
4: So I I think that I more or less agree with Jemison's politics and I think I more or less agree with where she's coming from. Like I could quibble like 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 you I I get Which where is she's where What's <laughs> that?
0: Let's clarify what we think her politics are. I
4: think that she is a pretty explicitly anti-racist, anti-capitalist, although probably a bit less to the left than I would probably prefer from my personal politics. I, I, I think mm. she's probably a bit a bit closer to reform than than I am, but but probably not so far that, you know, I would I don't think I would call her a liberal. Mm. um like like i i don't think she has bad politics i think that she just wrote a bad story b- basically and I, yeah I think it's, it's such it's, a bad
3: I, can i just can i just oh, real she, quick just, just in elizabeth warren stalinist is what you're saying
4: can <laughs> i just, can <laughs> yeah, I just mention kind of warren
1: stalinist yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the warren stalinist i just want to mention real quick too, real real quick Kurt, i don't want to cut you off but like one reason why i did not like this story is because dog like she just drops like an f-bomb in the story Like, it just seems, like, completely unprompted, and I guess it's for, stress, like, stressing effect. It was just, like, dude, I don't know, man. It just felt, like, like, like kind of weird.
3: Like the the slur?
1: No, no, she said fucking. She said fucking. She said, (laughs) no, no, not not the slur. But it's, like, but it's, like, yo, ooh, no. But it's, like, it just felt (laughs) incongruous with the story, and it felt, like, more like somebody tweeting than writing a fucking piece of literature. But anyway, sorry. It feels
4: like somebody working themselves up to, like, to show that they're mad. Like, like, to say, like, like when someone's, like, I'm going to, I mean business, so I'm going to say fuck.
1: Yeah, I mean, the whole story is she's accused. I mean, Le Le Guin has an accusatory tone, right, in the original. But all Jemison is doing is accusing you of not believing that utopia is possible without violence. But she doesn't believe that
4: either, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I I think she's trying to do two things at the same time, which don't which don't go together well. On the one hand, I think she's genuinely trying to explore like, oh, okay, how would you make a utopia that wouldn't backslide into She she is, I I think, sincerely trying to explore that idea of the the kind of like woke Stalinism of of like, well, how (laughs) would you actually get rid of the idea of 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 inequality? And I think she constructs an, an interesting scenario. Like, I think the idea of of like a society where you can't even you can't even find out about injustice if you find out about the idea of of inequality that like you're instantly killed. I don't think that's this world I would want to live in. And I don't think it's a path forward, but it's an interesting sci-fi. This is liberalism.
3: This is all liberalism. I'm sorry, but this is just all liberalism. It's like, why does it be about the idea? It it is liberalism. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. If it's a material like basis, it's like there's like inequality is not possible. Then like, why does it fucking matter if you hear about it? It's also
0: like a sort of a dark view of humanity, Mm -hmm. right? That the only way that we could live in peace and harmony with one another is if we were kept via, like, frequent <laughs> executions <laughs> from even knowing that there was such a thing as inequality, as hierarchy, as these, you know, bad, like, right-wing ideas that some people deserve more rights than others, when, like, I think the old, like, In reality, obviously, you can't keep people from knowing about those things. And the only way to actually have a meaningfully good society is by getting people on board for real and then having such a functional society that it's just self-evident that that is the best of all possible worlds and that the way we used to do things, a.k.a. the way we do things now is... Utterly barbaric. Yeah. So what you're saying
3: well, is that we, we we have to have a plan and we know how to pay for it.
2: <laughs>
4: see,
3: well, see, sure.
0: The second half,
4: though, is, is... I think she's also trying to do what you just said, Jamie, because, because a big thrust of the story is talking to you, the reader, and being like... What are you doing? You need to come and start fighting. You need to go and start fighting. But again, it's juxtaposed with this weird, again, this this weird like, like rad lib idea almost about like how you would execute it. So, So you come away from it thinking, being told that you need to do something. But the only thing that's been presented to you about what to do is to start spiking people who listen to the radio. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like yes. It's, it's, yeah. it's, just, it's just a very unclear, confused story to me.
3: I mean, it's like it's like just knowing thing doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to like just want that to happen. I mean, like we we all know about the divine right of king doesn't make me a fucking monarchist.
1: Uh, right? Also, also, too. I mean, like like it almost it also seems like, you know, I mean, I know it's a story, but like if you just take it to its logical conclusion, everybody it's almost worse in a way than even like uh, the Sean Vivier story, because Jemison doesn't even want to deal with discomfort She doesn't even want to deal with conflict at all All it is is like just kill these people It's like actually incredibly Like reactionary and it also the logical conclusion Would be like oh so everybody in that society lives in fear All the time that they're going to just, like, yeah. come across... They're going to just be walking past this guy's house who's, like, listening to, like, I don't fucking know, like, you know, like, a radio station or a pop song from our universe and be killed instantly for it. You know what I mean? It's just, like, that's... Yeah,
3: it, cancel culture strikes again. Yeah, <laughs> <don't> culture. <laughs> yeah, that, that, damn, Jorge, that's nice. That's nice. Well, and it
2: this also, is cancel
3: culture, really. like I, I, take it to I the,
0: mean, yeah, taken to the extreme. So, Watch uh, out. D- but, like, no, it also... Implies that there is some sort of hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. Because who's doing the execution? Police. Who's making the rules? Who canceled the cancelers? They're called social
4: workers, but they're pretty clearly police if they're going around killing people. (laughs) They they (laughs) all wear a uniform.
3: (laughs) They all wear a dress. Social
0: workers, but they're clearly
3: executioners.
0: (laughs) Yo, yo, but that's so funny. Like, oh,
3: like I'm. Oh, for just get your MSW, but like just make sure always be carrying the spear on you, just in case someone says the wrong thing. Like, you never carry anything, but but only if like they hear about inequality then just fucking murk their ass <laughs> it's, yeah
4: it's it's like it's like therapist judge dread like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes <laughs> yo,
1: yes dude yes he like sits you you lay down on the couch he has like his big ass gun in front of him just waiting <laughs> for you to say some fucked up shit so it could blow your but listen do you know what thing too with the story i gotta mention too is like what makes it even more incredibly fucked up is that um there's a description of one guy being like spiked And uh, what happens is that every time these—I don't know what they're called in the story. The social workers, yes. Every time that they kill someone, they end up taking care of their children, right? And they take care of their children, and the children themselves become cops, right? Basically, right? Which is like oh and, and there's this line In the story I mean I'm not gonna Pull it up now Does
3: everyone just Become cops in the end There was a society Where like eventually everyone Everyone's <laughs> just A fucking
1: cop dude but, but hold up I wanna bring this up Real quick Cause this just like Blew my fucking Explaining. mind Right What they do is that The child is like Taken away somewhere And like given a few days To like collect themselves And then they come Explain to the child Right What happens And if the child Takes their hand That means that They've accepted This explanation Accepted that this is oh The way the society yeah. runs <laughs> yeah. But she never talks about what happens if the children don't accept your explanation. Does that mean they die too?
3: They're gonna get god like their daddy got. God. <laughs> yeah, like she never she
1: never talks about that. So it's like, I mean, and I'm all I'm all I'm, all, I'm not I'm not I didn't mean to come to hate
3: on the story, but it's yo, like that's, yo that's crazy that's crazy. They're like like really casual like yeah we're. Fuck them
1: kids. <laughs> no, no but, but, but like what I'm saying too is like, I'm just almost surprised that this got published as a serious response story because so it's, it's just like review about this. I mean, it's just, yep. wor- I mean, it's just, my point is that it's just worse. Like the point, the thing is, it's like you can't really have a response to this story, right? Like people should stop trying to respond to this story. What made the story work was its ambiguity. Every time you try to answer Right. Like and resolve this shit, you just miss the entire fucking point, even if mm-hmm. your politics are even more left leaning, you know, because then you just okay. end up
4: with I a story with a society
3: of fucking cops, you know?
4: Well, I, okay, I think like, I think people. The, the, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
3: No, no, it's just like it's just like a joke. But basically, like, I'm just thinking like she heard about like the Bolsheviks killing the Romanov family. And it's like, no, 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 no. I have a problem with that. You should have asked the children if they want. <laughs> That's actually
1: a good point that kind of counters my point, which yeah, actually because they definitely deserve to get God in that basement. But well, go ahead,
2: Jamie.
0: Oh wow! I mean, no, look, did. I think this these two stories are hinting at a question that is going to haunt our podcast certainly for the duration. It's going to haunt our movement for the duration until we finally, you know, get to communism. Which is like, yes, how much violence is justified Mm -hmm. to create, to get us to the world that we want to see? How much oppression is justified? How much hierarchy is justified? Um, Is it possible to get to a utopia by gradually transitioning from the bad old world to the good new world? Or is that a, Bad way to do it, because then the new world is going to be built on the bad old world instead of being something entirely new. And maybe it's just because I know that Ursula Le Guin was like sort of anarchist leaning. But I do think there's also an implicit criticism of uh state socialism yeah, here yeah. as well. Like in, in 1973, like the crimes of Stalinism and the failures of the USSR were very well known at this point. And uh, crimes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was my line Jorge. what cause
0: <laughs> she was uh, probably thinking about that too she's, she she's explicitly talked about that
4: I don't I've never read an interview at the time where she mentions it but I mean she only passed away in I think 20, 2014. I, I think um, there was an interview I yeah. read with her in very sad
0: I never got to interview her
4: yeah she was I, I mean she and she was like whip smart. Really, really whip smart. Um, but uh, there's an interview with her from I think like 2004 or 2005, where somebody asked her about socialism, um, and and she does she does specifically come back and start talking about like Stalinism and how, you know, they they built a new hierarchy to replace the old one, and and she she makes that that exact uh, critique that that you made. So I I, th- I think you're 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 dead yeah, on. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I mean, like in this in smart this, woman, and in, in this story too, Jemison. Like one thing that I did kind of like about it was like. I mean, she talks about race, right? Like, not everybody is, like, the same skin color. Um, She talks about, like, that, that the artisans and the workers are darker skinned and the people who work, I guess, in the parliament or whatever are lighter skinned. And she says this is more about history, right? So, like, I guess in Umlaut, Umlaut is supposed to be a transitioning from a capitalist society or transitioning Mm -hmm. from sort of like I mean sort of like what the Bolsheviks were trying to do right like you know sort of trying to forge like a new path right um but it's just like she just gets trapped in I mean subconsciously so she just gets trapped in the same sort of like um ideas and shit like that she's criticizing you know like, like she, like I keep saying herself, like she herself. I mean, it wouldn't be a problem if she didn't scold you even more than Ursula. Exactly. Ur- yeah, Ursula, Caila yeah. Gwynn does really scold you, right? She just says, "Hmm, I bet you, I, I know how you really think." But like Jemison is literally, like literally calling you a piece of shit, right? Like I feel like she's calling me a piece of shit, and I'm like, "Yo, dude, chill." First of all, I agree with you. <laughs> Secondly, I think I have a better idea of your politics than you fucking do, and I have a better idea of the story, and maybe that's why I didn't fucking like it. But also, too, it just again like um the, like the other one the other response story it just misses the point entirely which is like dog it's about introspection it's not about i want to just recur you have a you have a um you have a line um just real quick about how the story ends and you say quote uh the story ends in a pointed call to action but what actual action are we being extorted to? Didn't we just read a story about cops who execute people for listening to the radio? If Jemison meant to emphasize the need for sacrifice to achieve justice, she might have done so with a sacrifice as devilishly appealing yet repulsive as the one laid out by Le Guin, rather than the easily refutable quote, kill people if they break the rules, end quote. If the question is meant to, if the question. If the question it meant to pose is, is it worth it? The answer seems like a fairly straightforward, no, of course not. Which I absolutely agree. Like, when she gives a call to action at the end, when she's like, we have work to do. I'm like, nah, bro, I'm good. I'm not fucking killing some some little girl's dad because he fucking listened to, like, Radiohead. You know what I'm saying? Like, on some dudes. And possibly the
0: little girl as well.
1: Exactly. Yo, because she never talks (laughs) about that, Jamie. She never says, what if the children Mm -hmm. don't take your hand and agree with you? What are you going to kill them too?" Which is like... I mean, I
4: don't know. It's just, it's just. what well, well, I mean, did the, you the notice there's a line? Said- there, there, there's a line right towards the end where she mentions that the the radio goes both ways. So I think one of the things she's trying to do that I, I think doesn't doesn't work. I thought a lot about this story, so I, I've kind of like arrived at this like uh, forensically over time. But yeah. I, I think she's I think she's trying to make the point that by seeing Umhalat and that that. It's it's the thing of like, well, if uh, it's like the Rocky Four thing, like, well, if they can change, then we can change that by reading the story. You now believe that maybe a better world is possible. And I think that's what Mm. she's trying to convey at the end by mentioning, like, that's why it's speaking to you, the reader. Obviously, you're in our world, not in Mm Umhalat But I think it just falls Mm -hmm. flat at the end again, because because of of the cop radio murder. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. One, it seems to me that like whether she intends it or not she like basically is like the same basically in her head it's like oh yeah like when conservatives talk about this is the future liberals one she's like yeah but like yes
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah she's like no literally like basically <laughs>
3: make the caricature and it's like yes this is what this is what i want i want i want to take whatever excesses of like woke scolding and like cancel cult, quote unquote cancel culture but like make that into reality
1: yeah we but the, i'm but, but, but Go ahead, sorry, Sorry, I cut It'll you There'll be a gulag
0: just for the people who misgendered someone. Yeah, yeah, There's exactly. There'll be a whole gulag just for the people who misgendered someone. Yeah,
3: exactly. It, yeah, it's just like, it's like kind of like, it's just immediately like, dun, dun, like oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> dun, oh, no, no. Like, it's just like, but and, I mean, the other point, it's like, I. Here's like a bit of a hot take, but I think this is like, they want to really re- get into it, but it's like, feel like, I don't know, this sounds like a little bit kind of like Khmer Rouge logic. Mm -hmm. Like we just need to like kill our way through to have a new society. We need to kill all the
1: the people with glasses, the intellectuals and shit.
3: Well, in the sense that like the problem is like having the ideas of the old world and anyone that knows about them just eliminate them. Yeah.
4: Yeah. See if 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 I thought she were sincerely proposing and exploring that, I would like the story a lot more. I wouldn't agree with it anymore, <laughs> but I think it would be a lot more interesting as a piece of science fiction, right? Like, Maybe like, more honest. like, yeah, like, like, I can read a piece of science fiction that is completely opposed to my viewpoints. I love I love reading Robert Heinlein. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, I was just about and, to say Heinlein. Yeah. He's a
1: fucking fascist piece of shit, but a great fucking writer. And I don't agree. I mean, he fucking wrote a story about like literally like black people like in uh i don't know like the end of the world like a near apocalypse situation and they're black people who like cannibalize white people like that's literally just the whole fucking story and i mean it's i mean he's written a bunch of horrific things but it's like i at least in earnestness i can respect it if i don't agree with it you know right mm-hmm. but i don't think that jemison i mean it's not that she's not earnest i don't think wait, she wait, knows wait, what she believes wait. in
3: wait. Where you respect that idea? No, I don't
1: respect <laughs> it. But I'm saying what I'm saying is that, no. I mean no. Actually, you know what? I like I like Starship Troopers. I like the fucking original and I like the movie even better. But I guess the point I'm making is that like, yo, if you're writing something, like I think you got to come full-throatedly with like what your fucking view is and your point is instead of like like kind of half assing it, accusing the reader, and at the end giving them a call to action when you haven't even untangled the Gordian knot of your own fucking premise, right? Like yeah. that just kind of fucks with me, and it's just like kind of disrespectful to the reader a little bit, you know.
4: And and I think I think again, it's it's fundamentally flattering to, to liberals of being like, yes. well, it's asking you to, to take action. So if you look at that and go, well, I'm already taking action, great, I've done it, awesome. I voted. Cool. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Well, on that topic. I guess the only thing that I didn't really like about the original is it, like, it's possible to come away thinking, oh, yeah, um, we need a totally different world where things run in a nice way and aren't based on exploitation. So I'm going to vote for Obama, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to vote for Kamala Harris. I'm voting for like, change. Like the same way that, <laughs> like, you know... Obama could watch Parasite and, uh, you know, think that he's simpatico with his message. Mm. but But, you know what? It's not Art's job to necessarily tell you what to do about the problems. And anyone who claims that they know exactly what to do is lying and you shouldn't trust them. You know, it's Art's job to fucking... Describe the world, reflect it the way it is. And I think that on that level, the story succeeds. And perhaps that's why Ursula Le Guin was hesitant to adopt any political label. Because if you really are an anarchist, if you really are a communist, part of that is you really got to be doing something to try to make those things happen. It's all good art,
3: just catharsis.
0: Mm. And art, yeah, art isn't doesn't really meet that bar. Mm. So I guess what I'm saying is... It was a good story.
1: Well, I mean, I will say though that <laughs> Ursula K. Le Guin, when she accepted the National Book Award in 2014, I mean, she said that like, like, um, damn, she got that award and she died. Yeah, what she a, died. Yeah, that, but she said she, she that, said that's
3: <laughs> some go- that's some goaded shit. That's, some, like, <laughs> that's
1: pretty goaded. <laughs> like peace. <laughs> I'm out. But she said, um, she said, like, you know, like the the divine right of kings used to be a thing, right? Like basically, like we like we right. made the system, people made it, and we can undo it, right? And that usually begins right. in art, and it's like. Yes, she's absolutely right, right? Like, it begins in art. And I think, like, the original story, I think, is, like, stuck with people for so long. And, like, I mean, I wanted to talk about a little, Kurt, but not—maybe, like, read right at the end in a minute. Because um you guys didn't watch it. But, um, I mean, even, like, Strange New Worlds, right? The new Star Trek mm-hmm. literally made an episode that was, like—I mean, it wasn't scene for scene, this shit. But it was, like, the same fucking thing, right? It was, like, this kid that was hooked up to this battery that powered a planet. And he was, like, the chosen one. And Kirk finds out that, oh, this kid, like, at the end, way too late, oh, that they're sacrificing this kid because this kid is, like, the, the the wealth and the power of their society, right? And, like, for this story to be, like, so pervasive, like, I, like decades after it's been, you know, published, I think it, like, is really a testament to sort of, like, hey, man, we, we all kind of like the elephant in the room, right? Like, this ambient background noise that we're not all, because not all of us are uncomfortable with it. But I think hopefully most people are. Right. And I think, I don't know. I just think that makes people uncomfortable. Right. I don't think people, that the whole point of the story is discomfort and ambiguity. And if it still makes people feel uncomfortable today, I think she did her fucking job. Right.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I think the most that art can do is, is like kick you in the ribs a little bit and, and make you feel uncomfortable. Like in in terms, in terms of, of a political art, like it can't, it's, it probably won't do anything on its own, but it should, it should hopefully, you know, inspire people to action in some form. Absolutely. Absolutely. I
3: I think, you know, to kind of, this back to something you said earlier in the, earlier in the episode, Kurt. It's like about like the scapegoat. I, you know, you know, I'm just thinking about this now. It's like how like this, this aspect of like there being a uh, scapegoat, but also, you know, kind of what Aaron was saying about like this kind of like is a sacrifice. Like the child here, it's like being a sacrifice for larger society. It, it reminds me of like this kind of, um, you know, there's this trend I think that's uh, the uh, the throughout a lot, a, lot, a lot of human history. Um, I mean, all, most, be, recorded history is basically class society that we know of, mm-hmm. but basically like, is this kind of, um, of their, of the uh, the concept of there being like a like human sacrifice for, for, for the greater society. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about like the, you know, two examples I can think of is like, one is like, that's the bedrock of Christianity.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like the
3: fact is like mm-hmm. God sacrificed themselves for all of humanity, mm. so therefore you must submit to him. Yeah. Right? it's like sacrifice but, his but only also, son.
2: Yeah.
3: right, exactly. But also, it's um, you know, and I think about say, in a, in a similar sense, in a more real sense, of like a good example of like how it kind of doesn't make sense in a, on its own terms either. But it's the same logic. Like I think about say, uh, I would, I mean, I I, I would assume like people I'm, I I am descended of, like the Aztecs. Um, it's like they would kind of have human sacrifices for the sun and the thing is like it is the same logic and it's much more visceral mm. in that logic but 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 really what it comes down to is like i think it's like the logic you come about if you believe in classes if you're living a class society which is like there are those that must be sacrificed for the good of everybody
1: yeah um, yeah that's a really a good point Jorge, actually because even i said to him a minute ago i mean i was kind of thinking about a transition right to socialism but i mean like I mean, like when I think Jamie, like you were you were saying, too, to connect back what you said is like where what what how much violence do we accept, right? If we want to transform society, and how long does that go on and continue? And I think like, you know, the Stalin the Stalin Stalinist Russia <laughs> is an example that we probably do not want to fucking follow. And I mean, like, I mean that's why I like the story again, man, because it made me think. I mean, we're all commies here, so it made me think about like all right, like my ideal society. And I had to really step back and be like, damn, man, like, all right. Like, you know, uh, yeah, I'm like making jokes about the Romanovs and their kids getting like, you know, fucking shanked in the basement. But I'm like, what am I going to do? Am I going to fucking like, like, am I saying that should be happened to the kids of billionaires? Like that sounds like insane for me to say that. And I would never fucking say that. Right. And I mean, that's,
0: I don't think any of us could like stomach, that actually no no
1: it's fucking horrific but it's also just like why jim and i hate to go back to jim's i don't hate to go back because we're talking about it in relation to ursula k le guin but that's why like her story is like kind of low-key horrifying right and it's kind of like just like hey man like do you really think this should happen or what do you but i don't know like maybe like maybe uh maybe she'd have different takes now or views now but um yeah i mean it's a really good question like how much violence do we accept I mean, we already live in an incredibly violent society that we just tolerate, right? Well, so, on the one that's hand. That's what I was gonna say. Right.
3: It's like, it's like, what's like, well, you said, how much violence would we accept? It's like, well, and it kind of reminds me of like what Angela Davis was asked about, like, it's like, well, why, why are you advocating for violence? And then she just pushes back against the interview. It's like, well, why are, why are you in this society telling me to accept the violence that exists now? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a, it's the million dollar question. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we all know that we're probably not going to get to a communist world just by convincing the bourgeoisie to give up their power nicely. Yeah. Right. Probably not. Uh, there might have to be some pressure applied pressure in various Quote, pressure, different <laughs> areas. I think uh, it will be a battle
3: in the debate of ideas. Mm-hmm. In the marketplace.
0: Sure. But, yeah. like, you know, the question is, at what point does the uh, do the things that you have to do, uh, at what point do those things sabotage humanity's chances at, like, a happy functional existence after that? Mm. And, you know it's a, It's easy to judge people, it's easy to judge people in hindsight, knowing what we know now. Um, but I think we do need to strike some sort of balance between just saying, oh yeah, um, this can happen in a really, really nice way. Humanity's all just gonna like take ayahuasca together and like progress to the next, uh, you know, to our final form. Uh, there's a balance between that and between saying, Oh, yeah, we could have a hundred years of uh, authoritarian state socialism with um, with purges, with, uh, you know, making deals with Hitler and uh, come out like really enlightened and communist at the other end. Mm. Obviously, the true path lies somewhere in the middle, and we are all going to have to figure that out mm. together. I, the
3: only thing what I want to say that they did end up, killing Hitler at the end so just make sure to just, uh, just make sure to keep that there as well of course of course um uh,
1: well wait hold, hold real quick Kurt did you want to I want to ask like two first of all Kurt, I want to know if you have anything to add um and then I want to ask you real quick because you guys didn't watch it but I have to know your take on the Strange Stranger Worlds episode but Kurt is there anything that like I felt like we glossed over a lot um is there anything that you specifically wanted to talk about or point out about the story that I didn't bring up or we didn't bring up
4: um honestly i think i think we touched on pretty much everything uh i I, no i i think i think it was uh, a good discussion and covered pretty much everything that i i had to say about it and if there's anything that i've forgotten it's probably in the articles (laughs) yeah it's probably in the article which
1: we'll add a link to it check out the article we'll add a link to it but i have to ask real quick uh Kurt, i have to ask real quick so I was just I was talking about a minute ago about the Star Trek Strange New Worlds episode, um, which has an amazing fucking title, actually. I really love the title. Uh, God, I love the title, and I cannot even fucking remember it. Um, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach, right? Yeah. Um, is the name mm-hmm. of the title. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it is like, I was telling you guys, like, it's an episode where basically uh, they find out that these people from this planet are being chased by these other people, these uh, kind of religious um, uh, zealots, supposedly, and they, there's this child, like this chosen child, and they want to kidnap the child, right? You find out that actually these zealots want to rescue the child because this child is like a fucking planetary sacrifice to keep this planet like going, right? And um, yo, it is. When I watched the shit, I was mad at myself not realizing that it was totally ripped from this story. Right. <laughs> and um, you know, before I ask you your opinion, Kurt, I wanted to say too that it really pissed me off that they didn't even give uh Le Guin a credit.
4: I was surprised it. by that. I that, I feel yeah. like I feel like that's an actual like the the estate could probably sue them for that. I Yo, wouldn't be surprised. Ass, bro, if they No, like, nah, I'm not like really a indigenous
1: person, but like they, it is literally like I mean, it's the same fucking story. And I mean, like there's this line in there where I want to get it too into because you guys haven't seen it, but um, it's just also kind of flawed because there's this line in there where one of the characters says the Pike says. Um, when she's trying to rationalize this, right? She says, do not the children in your federation suffer for you for you guys to be as successful? And it's like, actually, like, no, motherfucker, because the federation is post-scarcity. That's like, right, yeah. So actually, yeah. nobody <laughs> suffers, right, in the federation. There are people... I'm not... Well, actually, no. No, nobody fucking suffers in the federation, dog. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying nobody suffers in Star Trek universe. All the fucking aliens that are outside of the federation, sure. But the federation themselves, you can't really... So, I don't know. I guess what, so what did you, did you
4: like the episode? Did you, did you dislike it? I, I like Strange New Worlds in general. I thought it was a pretty good episode. I, I felt like it was, it, I mean, the story makes for a great Star Trek episode in a lot of ways, or at least a Star Trek concept like mm. the I because I mean, I, I feel like a lot of Star Trek episodes could be made by just taking like a famous sci fi story and be like, and what if the Enterprise appeared above it, you know, yeah, um, yeah, which, yeah. Which, which is basically like, like what the episode is. So I thought it was fun. Mm. I like I, I like the series in general. I feel like it it lessens the impact of the story a lot because you know that there is another way, right? Like yeah. you mm-hmm. you are th- th- our point of view is is Captain Pike and the Federation right. observing it, and you know mm-hmm. that as you said, they already have a post scarcity world, so clearly you don't need you know the giant child sacrifice uh, mm-hmm. machine, and it's not just like a sacrifice. They they, they do go out of the way to show that like um, I think uh, Captain Pike even asked them like. Will he suffer? And they're like, yes, actually, yes. Like oh, for yeah, it's, a long pain, time. it's
1: incredibly painful for yeah. as long as he's in there, he's going to suffer. <laughs>
4: Yeah. Right. Um, and there's no way to take him out. Uh, and so I, I, I think it, it le- it's, it's a little bit again, it's a little bit more more flattering to the viewer of being like, well, clearly there is another way you can identify with the Federation and be like, oh, well, I would side with the Federation clearly or I would join the rebels who are trying to rescue the child. So I, I think it, it removes a lot of the ambiguity. I thought yes. it was a fun episode, though, and, and I thought it was well done in, in a way that a lot of recent Star Trek's uh haven't been where it actually is trying to engage with these like these bigger philosophical questions it, it a, apart from completely jacking leguin's story i thought oh. it was a pretty good episode
1: yeah
0: yeah i so, mean yeah you know what i bet she wouldn't well okay when did this episode come out
1: literally like two weeks ago right
3: yeah, yeah. like three weeks oh. ago <laughs> like it literally okay. just came out yeah <laughs> This year, uh, 2022.
0: Okay, so I will speak of her hypothetically and say I bet she wouldn't mind because she was a woman of generous spirit and just wanted her ideas to be out there. Absolutely.
4: I feel like she would ask Paramount for some money. <laughs> you know, would she, or at least damn. told them to fuck off. <laughs> she, 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 would, would be, she
1: would be within her right. And um, you know, I just want to, can I just read your last the little Get paragraph? Get women hand? paid. <laughs> I just yeah. want to read your last little paragraph because I like it. Um. Uh, we should not, in the end, demand answers from a story like the ones who walk away from Umulus. Uh It has none, and it's entirely possible that none exist. But that should not keep us from trying. And the most a story like Amelis can do is tell us to start walking. And I think that's what we were kind of mm. talking about with art, right? I mean, like it's just about yeah. kind of reflection, introspection, and
3: um, I maybe. Walk a thousand.
1: <laughs> uh, Kurt, thank you so much uh, for. I know we covered a lot. And I hope that uh we got to everything and we'd like to maybe have you back on for this uh
2: this I lost would, I would love series. That. Yeah, this oh,
4: is yeah. this is awesome. Thank you so much for inviting oh, me on. I, I'm oh. a big fan, if I can if I can fan out for a second, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of all of your podcasting works and, and contributions. And actually, Jamie, you have uh you wrote something for me uh in the past. I don't know if you remember, you did a little playlist uh for my uh, magazine yeah. Blood Knife. Of course. A little a little spooky article uh about uh about uh Goth Halloween. Of
0: course, of course. That was, um, I really appreciated being asked to do that because, uh, you know, I, A, I hadn't written anything in a while and B, I, uh, I feel like my political persona, which is the thing that's gotten the most, uh, pickup, like, Whenever I tweet anything about music, it just falls completely <laughs> flat. Yeah. Like people do not realize that I do this too, but I am uh You
3: started as a music journalist. See, You got to you got to be started li-
0: as a music journalist and now I'm a fucking DJ and curator of vibes and, you know, showbooker and all that shit. At, um the label I run with my partner, how's the Feelings, so Well, see Hell Jamie, yeah. you got to
1: yeah. be you got to be like me, man, because like I motherfucker's thought that I was just going to post politics and shit post. And I trick them. I Trojan horse them into just literally posting sci-fi art. And now I have a completely different following where I have like, like crypto fascist, like, like, uh, uh, like tech bros. No, I
0: know that's true. It's really I know creepy. That's dog. True. It's these because people like sci-fi because my friend, my one friend with really bad politics posted put something that you posted in the group chat that i have with all my friends
1: jesus man it was
0: uh it was what was it like uh, some picture of like new york getting nuked or whatever yeah yeah
1: yeah uh, by, yeah, yeah, oh that's <laughs> that the one by uh, Ch- chesley bonestell he's he's a he's a he's a legend yo he's a king real liked
0: his yeah. apocalyptic shit though but, and i yeah. was like i would not have expected that friend to be posting something of aaron's
3: look this is like just Okay, look for those. You know, because <laughs> all of you are behind the paywall, this is just look. This is part of a long-term plan to be of of being crypto fascist <laughs> This is this, <laughs> is this is this is our long this is
1: a long roundabout way. But uh, all right. Let, let, uh, let's, and by crypto,
0: I'm talking about Bitcoin. Yeah,
1: I'm Talking about Bitcoin, not the fash But uh, Kurt, what do, what do you have to plug before we get out of here?
4: Uh, so I have two things. Uh, mm-hmm. I have uh, I have a podcast that I co-host called uh, Podside Picnic. It is a leftist uh, sci-fi and fantasy and speculative fiction podcast that I do oh, with yeah. uh, a couple of good friends. Um, and, uh, we, uh, let's see, what did we do recently? We did a, we just put an episode on, uh, the Rogers, Zelazny uh, book damnation alley, which, which was kind of the basis mm. for a whole bunch of stuff, including, uh, including the fallout games. were are kind of loosely based on that, uh, ooh, a whole, ooh, okay. whole, it's a, it's, it's a cool book. It was a fun episode. Um, we do, we do a lot, a lot of, of movies of we do a lot of short stories. Uh, we did a James James Tiptree slash Alice Sheldon uh, mm. short story recently that kind of touches on climate change and gender, uh, super su- super good short story uh, called Love is the Plan the Plan is Death. Um, so I would mm. say go go check out those two uh, episodes if you did want she, a good sampling of. Did she did she
1: write that story where there's like these women astronaut like these these well you don't know what if they're from the future whatever but they end up finding this male astronaut who's like stranded in space yes and yes, then he yeah, I believe yeah, that yo, is that, her, yes dude i read that story in like my college library when i was stoned instead of going to class
4: i just sat there and read a <laughs> sci-fi anthology and that story Good fucked me time. up yo um and then uh, i also have a magazine and called look at called, uh, called uh, blood knife which is a magazine about uh science fiction fantasy horror and capitalism um and we publish oh yeah uh, we published a few articles a month um we uh we we cover you know sci-fi and fantasy media of all sorts from a leftist perspective and uh, we pay our contributors be they writers or artists or podcast editors or whatever uh fairly uh that was that was the goal uh was to uh, actually be able to pay you know more than a blog pitna- uh, pittance and uh we've we've gotten subscribers subscribers and we've been able to do that so uh, you can read that at bloodknife.com uh and you can support us at patreon.com bloodknife if Hell you so yeah. desire Kurt,
2: yeah.
3: before you go just one last question, actually. Since you said that Blood Knife does science fiction and fantasy, what do you make of the distinction of people make of like science fiction generally being kind of progressive, whereas fantasy is pro- generally kind of reactionary? Mm. I've never heard I that f- before. It's interesting.
0: I think it. Uh, yeah, just a really tiny question <laughs> before oh, we go. I, I can give you
4: a really pat answer, um, which is uh, so when when modern, the, the, the foundations of modern fantasy um, really really started kicking off at this at, at a time when just outright race science was very very prevalent right. and popular mm-hmm. like like something that people mm-hmm. misunderstand a lot is we are still so indebted to people like robert e howard who were not necessarily themselves reactionary but they had their their writing so internalizes race science at, because i at mean the because time, they have different it was races and creatures
1: and shit right the rate the well, different i'm um, good sorry
4: Oh no! I I mean, yes, but like their their writing early on in the genre is so based on a very racialized understanding of like. Cultural evolution, where like mm. almost all those stories are, are basically like what what if white people found an ancient race of black people that was ruled by, you know, an, an ancient Greek deity? That's that's uh, <laughs> that's basically a description of uh, the novel She, which is one of like the foundational fantasy works. from I think it's 18, 1878 or something around oh, there. Mm. Um, and I think that I, I, I think that there's there's a lot of that that's just kind of stuck around. Um, but I also think there's plenty of leftist fantasy. I, I just don't always like it. Um Roger Zelazny is definitely writing from much more of a left perspective. I wouldn't call him like mm. a leftist. Mm. Um, but it's it's out there. So and as to the distinctions between the two genres, my answer is I, I, I don't really care. <laughs> sci fi has spaceships, uh fantasy has swords. I, <laughs> and honestly, if yeah, it has both, like- it has it's sci fantasy
1: i'll, right, I'll right. say this before we go i'm a i'm a maybe we talk about this later uh you know another episode or something maybe not but i'm a sci-fi supremacist um this is why i'm a trekkie <laughs> and i'm not a fucking star wars guy because that's fucking space wizards right that's what star wars is <laughs> i don't like space wizards Ooh, i yeah. like i like I'm a, I'm a snob right now i like hard sci-fi i like warp drives i like uh interstellar travel i like shit like that um i don't like space wizards with uh with uh, light up swords, I'm I'm good on that. I'm kidding. If anyone's a fucking Star Wars fan, it's fine. You guys suck, <laughs> but you're fine. Whatever. Just slop like eat up that garbage. I know you like that slop. I do too. In my trek universe. Yes,
3: I will. I will. I will continue drinking that. Garbage, yeah, I will continue drinking that much. garbage.
1: All right. Well, Kurt, thank you so wow. much again, brother. Well, Jamie, thank you thank
3: so much for
4: having me. It great. All right. All right.
0: I have I have nothing to add. We will have a discussion about China Mayville on a separate episode. <laughs> Maybe we'll even have him on. Maybe
4: you
1: should have him on. All right. Bye, y'all. Peace. Bye. Y'all. Bye.